Section two of Once a Week by A. A. Milne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter one The Air Part two He is christened. On the morning of the christening, as I was on my way to the bathroom, I met Simpson coming out of it. There are people who have never seen Simpson in his dressing gown. People also who have never waited for the sun to rise in glory above the snow-capped peaks of the Alps, who have never stood on Waterloo Bridge and watched St. Paul's come through the mist of an October morning. Well, well, one cannot see everything. Hello, old chap, he said. I was just coming to talk to you. I want your advice. A glass of hot water, the last thing at night, I said. No sugar or milk. A Turkish bath once a week. Plenty of exercise. You'll get it down in no time. Don't be an ass. I mean about the christening. I've been to a wedding, of course, but that isn't quite the same thing. A moment while I turn on the tap. I turned it on and came back to him. Now then, I'm at your service. Well, uh, what's the, er, usual costume for a christening? Leave that to the mother, I said. She'll see that the baby's dressed properly. I mean for a godfather. Dahlia has conveniently placed a sofa outside the bathroom door. I dropped into it and surveyed the dressing gown thoughtfully. Go like that, I said at last. Now, what I want to know is whether it's a top-hat affair or not. Have you brought a top-hat? Of course. Then you must certainly, I say, come out of it, Myra. I jumped up from the sofa, but it was too late. She had stolen my bath. Well, of all the cheek. The door opened, and Myra's head appeared round the corner. Hush, you'll wake the baby, she said. Oh, Samuel. What a dream! Why haven't I seen it before? You have, Myra. I've often dressed up in it. Then I suppose it looks different with a sponge, because... Really, I said, as I took hold of Simpson and led him firmly away, if the baby knew that you carried on like this of a morning, he'd be shocked. Thomas is always late for breakfast. Simpson, on this occasion, was delayed by his elaborate toilette. They came in at last, by opposite doors, and stood staring at each other. Simpson wore a frock coat, dashing double-breasted waistcoat, perfectly creased trousers, and a magnificent cravat. Thomas had on flannels and an old blazer. "'By Jove!' said Archie, seeing Simpson first, you are a... And then he caught sight of Thomas. Hello? His eyes went from one to the other, and at last settled on the toast. He went on with his breakfast. The two noble godfathers, he murmured. Meanwhile, the two godfathers continued to gaze at each other as if fascinated. At last Simpson spoke. We can't both be right he said slowly to himself. Thomas woke up. Is it the christening day? I quite forgot. It is, Thomas. The boat race is tomorrow. 
"'Well, I can change afterwards. "'You don't expect me to wear anything like that,' he said, pointing to Simpson. "'Don't change,' said Archie. "'Both go as you are. "'Mick and Mac, the comedy duo. "'Simpson does the talking while Thomas falls over the pews.' "'Simpson collected his breakfast and sat down next to Myra. "'Am I all right?' he asked her doubtfully. "'Your tie's up at the back of your neck,' I said. "'Because if Dahlia would prefer it,' he went on, ignoring me, "'I could easily wear a plain dark tweed.' "'You're beautiful, Samuel,' said Myra. "'I hope you'll look as nice at my wedding.' "'You don't think I shall be mistaken for the father?' he asked anxiously. "'By Peter? Well, that is just possible. Perhaps if—' "'I think you're right,' said Simpson, and after breakfast he changed into the plain dark tweed. As the hour approached, we began to collect in the hall, Simpson reading the services to himself for the twentieth time. "'Do we have to say anything?' asked Thomas, as he lit his third pipe. Simpson looked at him in horror. "'Say anything? Of course we do. Haven't you studied it? Here, you'll just have time to read through it.' "'Too late now. Better leave it to the inspiration of the moment,' I suggested. "'Does anybody know if there's a collection? Because if so, I shall have to go and get some money.' "'There will be a collection for the baby afterwards,' said Archie. "'I hope you've all been saving up.' "'Here he comes,' said Simpson, "'and Peter Blair Mannering came down the stairs with Dahlia and Myra. "'Good morning, everybody,' said Dahlia. "'Good morning. Say good morning, baby.' "'He's rather nervous,' said Myra. "'He says he's never been christened before, and what's it like?' "'I expect he'll be all right with two such handsome godfathers,' said Dahlia. "'Isn't Mr. Simpson looking well?' said Myra in a society voice. "'And do you know, dear, that's the third suit I've seen him in today?' "'Well, are we ready?' "'You're quite sure about his name,' said Archie to his wife. "'This is your last chance, you know. Say the word to Thomas before it's too late.' "'I think Peter is rather silly,' I said. "'Why, Blair?' said Myra. "'I ask you.' Dahlia smiled sweetly at us and led the way with P. B. Mannering to the car. We followed, and Simpson, on the seat next the driver, read the service to himself for the last time. "'I feel very proud,' said Archie as we came out of the church." I'm not only a father, but my son has a name, and now I needn't call him Er any more. He was a good boy, wasn't he? said Myra. Thomas, say at once that your godson was a good boy. But Thomas was quiet. He looked years older. I've never read the service before, he said. I didn't quite know what we were in for, "'It seems that Simpson and I have undertaken a heavy responsibility. "'We are practically answerable for the child's education. "'We are supposed to examine him every few years "'and find out if he is being taught properly. "'You can bowl to him later on, if you like. "'No, no, it means more than that,' he turned to Dahlia. "'I think,' he said, 
Simpson and I will walk home. We must begin at once to discuss the lines on which we shall educate our child. He sees life. There was no one in sight. If twere done well, twere well done quickly. I gripped the perambulator, took a last look round, and then suddenly rushed it across the drive and down a side path, not stopping until we were well concealed from the house. Panting, I dropped into a seat, having knocked several seconds off the quarter-mile record for babies under one. Hello, said Myra. Dash it, are there people everywhere today? I can't get a moment to myself. Oh, solitude, where? What are you going to do with baby? Peter and I are going for a walk. My eyes rested on her for more than a moment. She was looking at me over an armful of flowers, and, well, you can come too if you like, I said. I've got an awful lot to do, she smiled doubtfully. Oh, if you'd rather count the washing. She sat down next to me. Where's Dahlia? I don't know. We meant to have left a note for her, but we came away in rather a hurry. Back at twelve, Peter. I am quite happy. Pursuit is useless, suggested Myra. Poor Dahlia, she'll be frightened when she sees the perambulator gone. My dear, what could happen to it? Is this Russia? Oh, what happens to perambulators in Russia? asked Myra eagerly. They spell them differently, I said after a little thought. Anyhow, Dahlia's all right. Well, I'll just take these flowers in, and then I'll come back. If you and Peter will have me. I think so, I said. Myra went in and left me to my reflections, which were mainly that Peter had the prettiest aunt in England, and that the world was very good. But my pleased and fatuous smile over these thoughts was disturbed by her announcement on her return. Dahlia says, she began, that we may have Peter for an hour, but he must come in at once if he cries. I got up in disgust. You've spoilt my morning, I said. Oh, no! I had a little secret from Dahlia, or rather Peter and I had a little secret together. At least you and I and Peter had a secret. Anyhow, it was a secret, and I was feeling very wicked and happy. Peter and I both were and we were going to let you feel wicked, too, and now Dahlia knows all about the desperate deed we were planning, and to make it worse, all she says is, certainly, by all means, only don't get his feet wet. Peter, I said, as I bent over the sleeping innocent, we are betrayed. Miss Mannering will now relate her experiences, said Myra. I went into the hall to put down the flowers, and just as I was coming out, I saw Dahlia in the corner with a book. And she said, tell your young man. How vulgar, I interrupted. Do be careful with my baby. And I said, in great surprise, what baby? And she said, he was very kindly running him up and down the drive just now. Peter loves it, but don't let them go on too long or there may be an accident. And then she gave a few more instructions, and here we are. Peter, I said to the somnolent one, you can't deceive a woman. Also, 
men are pigs. Wake up, and we will apologize to your aunt for doubting her. Sorry, Myra. Myra pinned a flower in my coat and forgave me, and we walked off together with the perambulator. Peter is seeing a bit of life this morning, I said. What shall we show him now? Thomas and Samuel are playing golf, said Myra casually. I looked at her doubtfully. Is that quite suitable? I think if we didn't let him stay too long, it would be all right. Dahlia wouldn't like him to be overexcited. Well, he can't be introduced to the game too early. Come on, Peter. And we pushed into more open country. The nine-hole course, which Simpson planned a year ago, is not yet used for the Open Championship, though it is certainly better than it was last summer. But it is short and narrow and dog-legged, and particularly when Simpson is playing on it, dangerous. We are now in the zone of fire, I said. Samuel's repainted ninepenny may whiz past us at any moment. Perhaps I had better go first. I tied my handkerchief to Myra's sunshade and led the way with the white flag. A ball came over the barn and rolled towards us, just reaching one of the wheels. I gave a yell. Hello, bellowed Simpson from behind the barn. You're firing on the ambulance, I shouted. He hurried up, followed leisurely by Thomas. I say, he said excitedly, have I hurt him? You have not even waked him. He has the special gift of, was it Wellington or Napoleon, that of being able to sleep through the heaviest battle. Hello, said Thomas. Good old boy. What's he been learning today? He added with godfatherly interest. We are showing him life today. He has come to see Simpson play golf. Doesn't he ever sit up? asked Simpson, looking at him with interest. I don't see how he's going to see anything if he's always on his back, unless it were something in the air. Don't you ever get the ball in the air? said Myra innocently. What will his Uncle Samuel show him if he does sit up? I asked. Let's decide first if it's going to be anything worth watching. Which hole are you for? The third? The eighth. My last shot had a bit of a slice. A slice? It had about the whole joint, I doubt, I said to Myra, if we shall do much good here. Let's push on. But Myra had put down the hood and taken some of the clothes off Peter. Peter stirred slightly. He seemed to know that something was going on. Then suddenly he woke up just in time to see Simpson miss the ball completely. Instantly, he gave a cry. Now you've done it, said Myra. He's got to go in, and I'm afraid he'll go away with quite a wrong idea of the game. But I was not thinking of the baby. Although I am to be his uncle by marriage, I had forgotten him. If that's about Simpson's form today, I said to Myra, you and I could still take them on and beat them. Myra looked up eagerly. What about Peter? she asked, but she didn't ask it very firmly. We promised Dahlia to take him in directly he cried, I said. She'd be very upset if she thought she couldn't trust us, and we've got to go in for our clubs anyway, I added. 
Peter was sleeping peacefully again. But a promise is a promise. After all, we had done a good deal for his education that morning. We had shown him human nature at work, and the position of golf in the universe. We'll meet you on the first tee, said Myra to Thomas. He sleeps. It's sad to think that tomorrow we shall be in London, said Simpson with a sigh. Rotten, agreed Thomas, and took another peach. There was a moment's silence. We shall miss you, I said, after careful thought. I waited in vain for Dahlia to say something, and then added, You must both come again next year. Thank you very much. Not at all. I hate these awkward pauses. If my host or hostess doesn't do anything to smooth them over, I always dash in. It's been delightful to have you, I went on. Are you sure you can't stay till Wednesday? I'm so sorry, said Dahlia, but you took me by surprise. I had simply no idea. Are you really going? I'm afraid so. Are you really staying? said Archie to me. Help! What about Peter? asked Myra. Isn't he too young to be taken from his godfathers? We've been talking that over, said Simpson, and I think it will be all right. We've mapped his future out very carefully, and we shall unfold it to you when the coffee comes. Thomas is doing it with peach stones, I said. Have another, and make him a sailor, Thomas. And I passed the plate. Sailor, indeed, said Dahlia. He's going to be a soldier. It's too late. Thomas has begun another one. Well, he'll have to swallow the stone. A trifle hard on the Admiralty, said Archie. It loses both Thomas and Peter at one gulp. My country, what of thee? However, when Thomas had peeled the peach, I cleverly solved the difficulty by taking it onto my plate while he was looking round for the sugar. No, no sugar, thanks, I said, and waved it away. With the coffee and cigars, Simpson unfolded his scheme of education for Peter. In the first place, he said, it is important that even as a child he should always be addressed in rational English, and not in that ridiculous baby talk so common with young mothers. Oh, dear, said Dahlia. My good Samuel, I broke in, this comes well from you. Why, only yesterday I heard you talking to him. I think you called him his Nunkies Ickle Petsy Wetsy Lambkin. You misunderstand me, said Simpson quickly. I was talking to you. Oh, I said, rather taken aback. Well, well, I'm not. I lit a cigar. And I shall be annoyed if you call me so again. At the age of four, Simpson went on, he shall receive his first lesson in cricket. Thomas will bowl to him. I suppose that means that Thomas will have to be asked down here again, said Archie. Bother. Still, it's not for four years. Thomas will bowl to him. Archie will keep wicket, and I shall field. And where do I come in? I asked. You come in 
after Peter, unless you'd rather have your lesson first. That's the second time I've been sat on, I said to Myra. Why is Simpson so unkind to me tonight? I suppose he's jealous because you're staying on another week. Probably. Still, I don't like it. Could you turn your back on him, do you think? Myra moved her chair round and rested her elbow on the table. Go on, Samuel, said Dahlia. You're lovely tonight. I suppose these are Thomas's ideas as well as your own. His signature is duly appended to them. I didn't read them all, said Thomas. That's very rash of you. You don't know what you mightn't have let yourself in for. You may have promised to pay the child three pence a week pocket money. No, there is nothing like that, said Simpson, to Archie's evident disappointment. Well, then, at the age of ten, he goes to a preparatory school. Has he learned to read yet? asked Dahlia. I didn't hear anything about it. He can read at six. I forgot to say that I am giving him a book, which shall expect him to read aloud to Thomas and me on his sixth birthday. Thomas has got another invitation, said Archie. Dash it. At fourteen, he goes to a public school. The final decision as to which public school he goes to will be left to you, but of course we shall expect to be consulted on the subject. I'll write and tell you what we decide on, said Archie hastily. There will be no need for you to come down and be told aloud. So far, we have not arranged anything for him beyond the age of fourteen. I now propose to read out a few general rules about his upbringing, which we must insist on being observed. The great question of whether Simpson is kicked out of the house tonight, or leaves unobtrusively by the milk train tomorrow morning, is about to be settled, I murmured. Rule one, he must be brought up to be ambidextrous. It will be very useful, explained Simpson, when he feels cover for England or when he wants to shake hands with two people at once, said Archie. Rule two, he must be taught from the first to speak French and German fluently. He'll thank you for that later on when he goes abroad. Or when he goes to the National Liberal Club, said Archie. Rule three, he should be surrounded as far as possible with beautiful things. Beautiful toys, beautiful wallpaper, beautiful scenery... "'Beautiful godfathers?' I asked, doubtfully. Simpson ignored me and went on hurriedly with the rest of his rules. "'Well,' said Archie at the end of them, "'they're all fairly futile, but if you like to write them out neatly and frame them in gold, I don't mind hanging them up in the bathroom. Has anybody else got anything fatuous to say before the ladies leave us?' I filled my glass. I've really got a lot to say, I began, because I consider that I've been rather left out of things. If you come to think of it, I'm the only person here who isn't anything important. All the rest of you being godfathers, or godmothers, or mothers, or fathers, or something. However, I won't dwell on that now. But there's one thing I must say, and here it is. I raised my glass. 
Peter Blair Mannering, and may he grow up to be a better man than any of us. Upstairs, in happy innocence of the tremendous task in front of him, the child slept. Poor baby. We drank solemnly, but without much hope. End of section two.